from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. On today's podcast, we're going to explore a teaching about knowing our true value and why it's so important that we do. If you've ever doubted your worth, or if you've ever wondered if you can be the person that changes the world for the better, then this message is for you. This is a teaching that I'm going to share with you that literally influences how I live every day of my life and every decision I make. This is one of the most inspiring verses, and we're going to go into how it's relevant to us today. God gives Moses a command to count the Israelites. I'm going to read you the verse, which you can find in Exodus 30, 11 to 12. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, When you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord ransom for his life at the time he is counted. Then no plague will come on them when you number them. Now, let me stop right here and say this is the translation of the Bible verse. The original, obviously, is in Hebrew. And when you know Hebrew, you read the Bible in a really different way. I remember when I first moved to Israel and I had to learn Hebrew, suddenly all the words that I would hear, I connected back to the Bible, which is so cool. One of the first things that I learned in Hebrew was the days of the week. And I grew up in America where we have Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. But in Israel, we literally call the days of the week the same thing that they're called in the Bible, Yom Rishon, the first day in the story of creation, Yom Sheni, the second day, Yom Shlishi, the third day, all the way leading up to what in English we call Saturday. But in Hebrew, the only word for the day is Shabbat, the Sabbath. And so there's something very, very deep about studying the scriptures in Hebrew. You can come away with a whole new understanding. And so there are a few ways, actually, to understand the name of this week's Parsha, Kitisa, that we just found in that verse. On one hand, it can be translated as when you take a census. But in Hebrew, Kitisa can also mean when you raise up. And very often in Hebrew, when a word has two different meanings, they're connected. And so now let's read that Bible verse again. It says... When the Lord said to Moses, when you raise up the Israelites and count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life. And so we learn from this when Moses counted the people, when he was instructed directly from God to count every single one of the Israelites, what was the intention there of counting them? It was intended to raise their sense of self-worth, to realize how precious they are in God's eyes. Now, we all know that there's a real risk in taking a census. On one hand, it can accomplish exactly what we said of how kitisa can be translated, to rise up, to show that they're counted. And on the other hand, 
it has the potential to do the worst destruction and to completely dehumanize someone and diminish their value when we're taking a census, when we're counting someone. You see, I'm the granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor, and my father-in-law is a Holocaust survivor. And I grew up knowing many, many people with numbers on their arms from the Holocaust, from the concentration camps. And what the Nazis did during the Holocaust was they counted everybody, but it wasn't in order to raise them up. It was in order to diminish them, to become a number, to become useless. You don't even have a name. You simply have a number. But what we're learning here is what God wanted to do through this counting was the opposite. He wanted us to feel uplifted, not diminished when counted. And so Moses's job when counting the people was to teach them how much they truly count and how much God values each one of us. So just like we spoke about there's way of counting and that is in order to take away the identity, take away any sort of worth, right? Like we spoke about in the Holocaust. There's another one. You can count something that's precious to you, that you sit there counting all day. An example of this in modern times might be uh, counting money. That if somebody has a job that they've been waiting for and that they've been working so hard for and they finally get paid, wow, they count that money over and over because it's such a relief. It's so precious to them that they're finally able to get the money that they've been praying for, that they count every dollar because every dollar counts. Or like the sheep pass through Meron. So on Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, tradition teaches that God judges every living creature. And in our liturgy, this is depicted in a very vivid manner. We say, all mankind will come before you like sheep in Meron. Now, you have to ask, what's Meron? But Meron is actually a mountain not too far from where I am here in Israel in the Galilee that's shaped like an M. And what that means is that anyone or any animal who wants to pass can only do so one at a time through the narrow middle. And this is how God looks at every single individual. He looks at every single individual one at a time. And so according to Jewish tradition, each person has to recognize that they are precious in God's eyes. They are precious in God's eyes and there is no one else like them that they have to actually say. There's a verse in Hebrew that we say, The whole world was created just for me. And there are so many ways to understand this. It's really connected to our Parsha, to our Torah portion, of doing the counting, of taking the census. That God is saying, the whole world was created for you. And there are so many ways to understand what that means. What does it mean that the whole world was created for me? Okay, we know that 
God loves me, that I'm individual. But maybe we can look at it like God loves me like an only child. Well, I could relate to that as a mother of four. I remember every time that I've been pregnant, making sure that my older children knew that the pregnancy would not take anything away from how much I love them, especially after the baby was born and the baby took so much attention. And I made sure that my older children got even more attention than before because it's understandable. An older child could feel, ah, there's somebody new in the world now. There's somebody new in our family now that my parent loves, that my mother loves. Now she might love this baby even more than me because how can she love us both so much? But being a mother, I know that with each baby who came into the world, my heart grew. It didn't take away from the love I felt for my older children, but my love only grew. Every child I love like an only child. And so I think this verse is also telling us that we are one in seven billion people here on earth that we could start to think, "Mm, what value am I to God in this world? But what we are being taught here by Moses taking the census and by this verse of the whole world was created just for me, is that to God, we are the only one in this world like us. We have a special mission here in this world. And every single one of the 7 billion people in this world are a child to God that is like an only child. And therefore, what I do in this world has enormous significance. I matter and my actions matter. Have you ever wondered if what you do, especially when no one else is looking, makes a difference in the world? Have you ever felt like, who am I that my actions actually matter or that my words actually matter? Or God forbid, have you ever thought, who am I that my prayers even actually mattered? What difference does it make in the world? Well, there's a Jewish analogy that we always think about and talk about and imagine, and it inspires us. And I tell my children that the world is like a scale. And when we come into this world, that scale is even. On one side, there are bad deeds, the sins. And on the other side, there are the good deeds, the mitzvot, all the good things that we're doing. And you know that our actions can tip that scale one way or the other. I know that. I know that every action I take, whether it's in public or whether it's in private, is tipping that scale. And that encourages me and inspires me that I matter. My actions matter. My thoughts matter. My words matter. And I want to do good. I want to do good not only in man's eyes, but in God's eyes, because God is always watching and I need to always make good decisions. But as we study these things of I matter, I matter, the whole world was created for me, sometimes I stop and think, okay, but I am not supposed to have an ego. I am not supposed to use these verses to have an ego and think that I'm better than anyone else, God forbid. And so there has to be a balance. And that's when 
the verse that Abraham specifically said himself in Genesis 18.27 comes into play. Afar ve'efer anochi, we say in Hebrew. I am but the dust and ashes. I am but dust and ashes. And what we're saying here is although we remember that God created us because we're needed, And there's no one else like us in the world that can take our place. And God loves us exactly as we are and cares about who we are. What we're also saying is I am but dust and ashes. God is the creator, not me. I'm not in charge. I came from dust and I will return to dust. In fact, there's a famous story of a rabbi. His name is Rav Simcha Bunim. And he used to have a paper in each pocket that every day he would go around with two pieces of paper. In one pocket, he kept a paper that said, the whole world was created just for me. And in the other pocket, he kept a paper that said, I am but dust and ashes. The rabbi kept both of these quotes with him to remind him that both perspectives are essential and that we need to hold them in balance. We need to be humble, but not too humble that we don't recognize our value and abilities. We need to know that we matter and that we are here to make a difference, but we can never become overly arrogant. We need to realize that God has his plan and he will carry it out with or without us. Yet at the same time, we need to know that God expects us to do what we can to make a difference for the better in this world. My father always would say, you do your best and you let God do the rest. And this is something that for me really sums up all of these different concepts. It's a concept that I hold dear in my heart and really inspires, encourages, gives me a guiding light for everything I do in my life. That I have to know what my role is, that I want to contribute that I want to build, I don't want to destroy, that I want to bring light, I don't want to spread darkness. And in everything I do, it makes me realize that I have to be my unique self. I could only contribute to the world if I'm doing it in an authentic way that only I can contribute. And so I think about work, that for 15 years, I worked at the fellowship and I did everything from working in the mailroom. I started off by putting uh, stamps on envelopes and I moved my way up and I, I was in almost every position in the fellowship in those 15 years until upon my father's sudden passing, I became the president and CEO of this huge organization. And what I realized, exactly my strengths come from this teaching. First of all, that I am just a messenger of God, that I must be obedient to him. And by being being obedient to him, I'm recognizing that he has a purpose for my life and that I can achieve anything if I tap into him. And yet I realized also that I'm not God. I come from dust and I will return to dust. I have to do what only I uniquely can do and trust other people to do what they uniquely can do. 
And so as I became president and CEO, instead of trying to micromanage every part of the organization, instead of going back and getting details on every single uh, department that I was working in in the past 15 years and saying, I know best, I know best, I know best, no. I set out different goals for myself as president and CEO that only I can do. And I made it a philosophy and a practice to encourage, to strengthen, and to trust others in the organization to do what only they can do. And through that philosophy, we just ended with the strongest year the fellowship has ever had before. And so I guess the way that I would internalize this is that God created the world just for me. And he created the world just for you and everyone. Everyone matters. And we need to treat each other accordingly. And so I want to read that verse again for you from Exodus 30, 11 to 12. Let's see if we understand it differently now. Then the Lord said to Moses, when you raise up the Israelites and count them, Each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life. Wow, how beautiful. God is counting each one of us because each one of our lives really matter. And so, my friends, the ultimate lesson, I think, to sum it up is from Leviticus 19.18 that we all know very well, to love your neighbor as yourself. First, love and value yourself. And if you do that correctly, by holding it in balance, that will lead naturally to love and value your neighbor. And so let's focus on making this idea the focus of our week to make the Bible come alive. Shavua Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.